Is it a step below knighthood? You know, yeah. being, being a bloke, being a bloke. I think so. Actually, might be a step. <laughs> I think it's a step above. Because you can get knighted. Can you get bloked? <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 109 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I've forgotten how to program. I'm Sam and I do art. And today is August 1th, 2017. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show, mostly by that I mean we're going to be swearing. So if you don't like bad words, then get your keister out of here. Could it also have been August worst? Uh, Yeah. Does that work too? Yeah. Is that like okay. a brat? Yeah. Delicious. August worst. August worst. And then of course, August best is, well, it's the end of August. Best. Best is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause as you progress through August, it, it just gets, gets better. It just gets you know? better. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Actually, I mean, given the heat outside, it's probably true. Yeah. yeah. August worst. All right. So uh, we got some news this week for starters. You may have noticed that in previous episodes for the past 30 episodes or so, uh, about once or twice per episode, you would hear a loud sort of gonging noise. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. This kind of subsided recently uh, because Fat Bard has gotten pretty aggressive about editing those out. Well, and because Monique now listens to them ahead of time and knows where and the identifies gongs are. Them. Yeah. Uh, that was us while wildly gesticulating, slapping our microphone. <laughs> uh, and when you say when you say us, is there anybody in particular? Who- Probably mostly me. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, probably about 90 to 95%. <laughs> it says knee. Some, you always just see his leg shaking. Yeah. Kind of off your periphery. And then I got a so lot often, of kinetic energy. Uh, <laughs> so often it pops the table. And so, so, so uh, Fat Bart sent us a message on Discord. He's like, listen, I'm going to come over there. I'm going to take a board. I'm going <laughs> to drill it into your wall. And I'm going to attach your mics to hang from this board. And I was like, nah, man, this is, this sounds like, a, this sounds like an undertaking. Let's just not worry about it. He's like, no, listen, <laughs> if I got to spend 10 minutes every, every fucking week getting these gongs removed from your podcast, I'd rather just spend a half an hour now, drill a board to your wall and just be done with it. So in theory, in theory, this problem is solved now. Mm, we'll find out. So we've just like our audio mm-hmm. quality is just going to be at the next level. Uh, also this, this week, actually starting now today, uh, we are in the yo-yo games bundle again. Yep. And this is if you want to sort of dabble in game dev or or uh, check out Game Maker, now's the time. It's the Humble Bundle has teamed up with Yo-Yo Games and then a bunch of developers to do uh, a release of Game Maker Studio plus a whole bunch of modules and then also a bunch of source code for games. So you can kind of reverse engineer and try to figure out how they work. Um, and our games are in there. We have a Flop Rocket, Freeway Mutant. Uh, we have Shep, Shep hard. hard and Extreme Burger Defense. Mm-hmm. So three of those were jam games that we put together, and then Flop Rocket is the fully released uh, Flop Rocket that you can get on iOS and Android. So if you ever wanted to dig into the guts of our games, you can you can do that. And I think it's like a, it's like a thousand dollars of yeah. If you software, pay, if you go, I think it's the fifteen, the full fifteen bucks if you pay gets you the Flop Rocket source code. Um, and all of the game maker, everything basically. Yeah, and it's insane. It's a, yeah, it's one of those deals of a lifetime. Yeah. Except it happened also last year. So and, and it is a- the <laughs> it is the older version of Game Maker, not Game Maker Two. Correct. Yes, but uh, um, you know a lot of but people to get it for fifteen bucks is insane. Is if you if you feel like you have a right to complain, you're wrong. You're wrong now. You're wrong about that. Yeah, and and in 
uh, Game Maker Studio is is still being supported um, through, the end of, through the end of next year. Yeah. So there's still plenty of time to play around with it. And Game Maker Two is pretty much the same as Game Maker Studio right. in Mostly terms an of interface like, overhaul. Yeah, just it's it's more it's easier to use, but there's not a, a lot of like fundamental sort of functional differences. So yep. if you if you learn how to use Game Maker Studio, then that's going to carry over into Game Maker Two. Yeah, and so if you're kind of if you think you want Game Maker Studio Two, but you're on the fence and you know the price tag seems a little high, just just start with Game Maker. Just get that regular Game Maker Studio yeah. and you can convert Game Maker Studio projects over to Game Maker 2 yeah. directly. So, you know, there's just no, there's there's no just, losing here. There's no losing. And also, we uh, I put together a video as a walkthrough of our source code for uh, Flop Rocket. And so that is, uh, that's just like linked on the main menu of, of the Flop Rocket thing. So, so you can actually have like a one-on-one jam sesh yeah. with yours truly. So that's cool. Uh, all right. So <laughs> we also have coming up uh, this upcoming weekend is Pixel Pop Festival, which we mentioned uh, last week. It's a big sort of like gaming game dev convention thing here in St. Louis. Um, this is the fourth year running. And uh, we have Adam's going to be giving a talk about decision making. Mm-hmm. Talk is called thinking. It's harder than you think. And it is. It's yeah. true. The well, joke we always have is that whenever Adam gives a talk, it inevitably makes everybody have a sort of vague existential dread. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and I think this one's going to deliver. I think on this, that one, I think this one's going to do it. In a good way. But it is funny, way. though, because it is now just the way that I think about stuff and that actually kind of in the office now, like, you know, we've been we've been driving everybody to think in the same way. And so I got to the end of this, of this, of putting this talk together um, yesterday or two days ago. And, and so I'm looking at what I've put together. And I'm like, I think... This is going to freak some people out probably, but I also wasn't really sure because like I got freaked out by this shit a long time ago and I can't remember what it feels like. Cause now you just live in it. Yeah, you live in just, the darkness. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. yeah. So if you're around on Saturday, I think it's at 3 PM on Saturday. Um, and if you're not, then we actually have a, on our blog, we have a, a little email sign up. If you want to get just a direct email, a one-off email with the YouTube link, we'll be uploading it probably within a couple of days after the event. Uh, is over. We're recording on our own equipment and stuff, so we'll be we'll be really on that, and they'll, the it'll be live on the internet, so you can just come and watch it uh, if you're if you're too far away to come see us. In yes, person. but the whole crew will be there. So if you're if you're except in the surrounding area, except for there. Seth, yeah, um, yeah, the whole rest of the crew will be there. Um, so if you're if you're in the area, definitely come by. And then beyond that, as far as other guests go, um, our friends uh, from Taco Illuminati, uh, Sam Palvan, who made uh, Looty Dungeon. Mm-hmm. He's coming by, and so we got a panel with him on Sunday, I believe. Mm-hmm. They're they're showing they're screening the Dev Diary series, the Crashlands documentary, on uh, Sunday evening as well. And then uh, Monique is actually going to be in her first panel ever, mm-hmm. so talking about the concept of work life balance in games. And so um, we'll be doing a lot of different stuff. And the the sort of headliner for the whole show, the keynote speaker is Rebecca Saltzman, who is part of Finji and they're working on uh, Overland and they also publish a couple of games. I think they just picked up that game Tunic, which is a super cute uh, fox isometric game where you're like this uh, adorable fox character with a sword stabbing stuff. So if you're interested in any of those people um, or, you know, streaming game dev stuff, whatever, either come out or I guess pay attention to their their general social media and YouTube stuff mm-hmm. whenever they put out. The yeah, there, there are two guests of honor. Mm-hmm. I'm not really 100% sure what that means, but Sam already has listed one of them. The other one is Aurelian? Aurelian, yeah. So a Aurelian, streamer, apparently. Yeah, so she she's really awesome. She Seth and I actually met her a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's a St. Louis native, and uh, we met her, I think, when she was just kind of starting to blow up. And basically, mm-hmm. she plays Minecraft, 
and she's just super wonderful. And so everyone just loves watching her play Minecraft. And so <laughs> um, she started, she had sort of like more of like a kid friendly sort of uh, let's playing sort of channel and ended up getting pulled on by Twitch to, I think she actually runs like a big part of their streaming stuff now. She's in charge of stuff at yeah. Twitch. And I think she's, she was splitting time between here and LA for a while. And I don't I have no idea. I haven't actually talked to her in a long time. So it'll be nice to catch up with her. And yeah. She's one of those sort of infectious enthusiasm yeah. kinds of. It must so have been super hard to make a kid friendly channel on Twitch. You know, they didn't mm -hmm. because people can just come into it. Right. Right. Well, I think she, she largely did YouTube and then, okay. And then got pulled on to Twitch, I believe. I'm not sure how, how exactly the yeah. trajectory goes. Be an interesting conversation. I'm sure yeah. to see what that, moderation of that community must have been real like, tricky yeah, yeah. But she's um, great so i'm really excited to see her again but yeah so then uh that that uh email newsletter if you want to hear about more about our talks and stuff we have a bitly link which is at bit.ly slash bscotch talk alert so taco taco talk <laughs> bscotch talk alert okay taco uh, so all can, lowercase yeah all lowercase okay. so you can uh you can put your name in there and then just if you want to get notified in the future about when we're giving talks and where and stuff like that then you can uh you can get that so so that's all that's happening with sort of events and mm -hmm. stuff a lot of cool things happening uh and then we've got one final news item which is we need to talk about vicarious goal fulfillment yeah let's talk about okay, this so i read a book this past week and the book touched on a bunch of different interesting psychological concepts. And one of them was this, this, this what, idea. What, what book was it? The book is called hit makers. Yeah, cool. Okay. So because of course we're trying to make hits with our stuff. So I was like, maybe I should read a book about this. Also, I saw you hit your microphone. Just I hit, now. I just hit the wire. Sorry, he, he hit the cord. <laughs> is that, I think we're good. There's no gun. There? Okay. <laughs> so, but the, the quick book swinging is called, your arms around. Jeez. The book is called hit makers. It was, it's a very recent book, which is nice because it takes into account a lot of the, uh, basically a lot of the more recent phenomenons. And so it's, a lot of the older books about either popularity science or whatever else, I mean, they're just older, like a decade older, which kind of is out of pace with where everything's mm -hmm. gone to now. So one of the ideas they, that they touched on sort of as an aside was this, this story about how McDonald's in, in 2014 introduced a, a suite of uh, healthy food items to their menu. So you're talking like salads. Uh, I don't even know what else. Probably just salads. Probably just salads. <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah, we, we put lettuce wraps. They put, know, a, they put a suite of one item. Yeah, <laughs> right. on so the, yeah. a variety of salads. So, uh, and interestingly, they had their one of their best years ever, apparently, according to this book. And when they went back and looked at the data for what people actually bought, though, people bought more hamburgers. So in other words, more people <laughs> showed up. Uh, but then just instead just of buying buy a salad, just bought hamburgers. And so uh, this starts, this leads into this, this overall story and this concept of what's called vicarious goal fulfillment. And this has been talked about sometimes in, in goal setting literature a little bit. Um, and you've, if you've looked into any sort of self-improvement, if you've probably heard it around where it's this idea that if you, if you're not careful, if you tell other people a lot about like the thing that you're going to do, um, it's a sin it's in some ways your brain's like, I kind of already did that. Well, you've, you've gotten the social benefit. Exactly. Right. So if you go, oh yeah, I'm going to run to McDonald's and grab lunch. And somebody's like, why are you going to McDonald's? They just have garbage food. And you're like, no, they have salads now. And yeah. the other person's like, oh, and then you just go there and buy a burger. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the, interesting thing, the interesting thing about it is that the, the, I think the really insidious and weird thing about vicarious goal fulfillment is that this one doesn't even require that you tell anybody. This is literally if just you thinking think about, about it. it. If you think about doing something that's good, then it kind of allows <laughs> you to, to, to indulge. Not. I thought about way. getting a salad, so I earned that burger. <laughs> that's right. And apparently this is a real thing. I haven't. I can't think of any particular instance like, well, for I think myself recently is, where I've done it. But I mean, it is a hard thing 
it's hard for me to believe that that's actually what's happening because mm-hmm. there are so many other, because I think Seth's explanation was actually not that at all, but right. it also sounded super reasonable for why right. that happened. <laughs> right. uh, and, and especially where, because if, if instead now when you think of McDonald's, you don't think unhealthy grease trap, which is like right. normally what you think about, right? But if now all of a sudden all this stuff is like, look at all these salads and shit, right? Then now when you think of McDonald's, you think like, yeah, pretty unhealthy, but maybe not like grease trap now, right? Like you, you kind of, because the there's bars a salad in a bit. There. Yeah, there's a salad in there and it's in your brain a little bit. And so now when you're trying to decide like where to go to go eat, it now just, it just seems less it's, like a bad option. It's you know? elevated. Yeah. Because yeah, because what you're because what you're buying there is also just like the idea right. of eating at McDonald's, right? right. So, so now it makes going there easier, but it actually wasn't that you were going to buy a salad there ever. It was just actually more socially acceptable for you. To exactly. Go. Interesting. Well, so well, this leads actually uh, interesting, interestingly, to another sort of a segue to another thing we've talked about in previous episodes a few times, which is the that that classic marshmallow experiment with willpower. Mm-hmm. So. Just to recap, the idea was that, uh, and this has been quoted a ton, you'll see there's a bunch of willpower research flying around the internet. Um, but basically what, what it comes down to is people put kids in a room with either a marshmallow or a cookie on a plate. And then they're like, if you wait, if you wait, then we'll give you another one. But if you eat it, then that's, I mean, all, you that's all you get. And then they just measured how long kids can sort of like hold out. And then it also looked at some of their methods for, for holding out. Um, and then essentially tracked those kids throughout their lives and found that it's, uh, a good predictor of their overall success in in school and then in careers and stuff, how long they're able to. Basically, people who can think in the long term and resist resist right. short-term uh, rewards. I have, a, so, I have a fun alternative explanation. Well, so here it is. Yeah. Okay. So here's, the, here's well, I guess here you tell me yours. Here, tell mine, you what, mine's what probably found. different than yours is, which okay. is that that actual moment in time caused those kids. It was causative. So- it's an inflection point. In it's an lives. inflection point. So <laughs> the experimenters actually changed these kids' lives by setting up this experiment mm. so that those kids who, you know, just couldn't help themselves in that moment and ate the cookie. Now they're always looking back on that moment and they're like, I could have had two cookies. Yeah. <laughs> and it changed their entire <laughs> life. They just trajectory. go into a depression and they just can't handle yeah, can't it. Control them so this, I think this goes back yeah. to, to where Adam was talking about, you know, taking a second and looking at some other factors. Always look at the alternative explanations. So here's, here's another one. So a follow-up study was somebody was like, I don't think this is right. I'm a, Cause they're like, there's a, another huge factor here, which is that there's, there's an adult figure yeah. and a child figure. Right. And the adult figure is the one who's giving the treat. So they said, what if we take these adult, fi- the adult figures and we basically sow some mistrust in terms of whether or not they'll be around before the kids actually go into this experiment. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they had the kids uh, just like playing with toys. And then uh, the experimenter would ask them if they wanted like a dinosaur toy or something like that. The kids, of course, would be like, fuck yeah. Y'all want that dinosaur. And uh, the experimenter then would leave and sometimes would just come back and be like, oh, sorry, I, could, I forgot about it or something like that. Right. And then they do the willpower experiment. Guess how many kids eat just one cookie? Because probably all none of them. them. All of them do because they don't trust. Oh, the, sorry. They, yeah, yeah. they eat it right away. Yeah. Because yeah. they're like, yeah. well, the adult's not going to come back. So what they found is that it, it may actually be more a measure of essentially trust in the system. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. In your authority systems, generally speaking, which of course. So if you're, if you're obedient, then you're going to succeed more. Well, I mean, if you, if you have <laughs> well, of more. Of course, you know, when success is defined according by to your grades, exactly. your grades or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I was like, whoa. So I read that and I thought. Well. And so it turns out actually all those other kids, the ones who weren't patient, went off and started their own company. They all started now, Uber. Yeah. They and all now they're Uber. all in jail. Well, there's also interesting <laughs> that valedictorians are completely like unrepresented in, um, when it comes to like startup founders and stuff like that for these multi-million. Is that just statistical? Cause there can only be one. 
Maybe. Like you only get one valedictorian like per hundreds or thousands of people, depending on how big your school is. Yeah, so but like, there's a lot of schools. So there's a lot of schools. There's a lot yeah. of valedictorians. That's true. Apparently there's like very, 30 of them. They're weirdly underrepresented in terms of the, yeah. what you would, what you would assume based on their grade achievement. Right. But it turns out that they're just getting good grades. Right. It's very different than doing risky shit. So. Yeah. In, in retrospect. It's a different value system. In mm-hmm. retrospect, my approach to grades was I'm going to do them. But I'm if gonna I do grades, I'm going to do <laughs> grades. But if I don't get the A plus, you know, that's that's OK, because I'm going to help Adam build his trebuchet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, there was another point you made from reading that book about virality, which yes. I would like to also sure. talk about a little bit. Sure. So hit us. Hit yeah, us so- with that. So interesting. So this book, uh, he, he walks through sort of the question is, you know, what, why do things, why are things actually popular? What are some of the mechanics that are, are at work there? And then toward the end, he, he starts tackling this idea of virality. And what he finds out is sort of through all, through all this research is that all the research that's been done about, about this idea that things spread in a one-to-one way, which is kind of what the idea of virality is. Like I, I learn about something. I tell Seth, t- Seth tells Adam, Adam tells his wife, his wife tells a friend, whatever. Um, people have a term for it. It's called the viral coefficient. Right. Where they're like, it's the, the, the shareability. Yeah. So if something has a viral coefficient of greater than one, like greater than whatever. I think it's just the number of people on average one person will share it with. Or Correct. Like that. Yes. Is the, so, so it has to be past a certain threshold in order for it to actually spread. Right. right. But so that is just an average. Yeah. It is. You know, averages are as, as you're getting at, they don't really use anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so as it turns out, um, when they've done a bunch of research actually tracking individual things that they've basically seeded into, you know, Twitter or whatever else, they found that the reality is that people actually don't share stuff very much. Or if they do, that it, it almost never gets beyond one share. Like, you don't typically actually share something that someone shared to you. So uh, what they found then, the question is like, well, how does this, what is this virality thing then? Because it, it doesn't exist in the way that we think it does, which is right. this many one-to-one transitions. And um, the way, way he starts talking about it is this idea of broadcasts. So the reality is that something that, that seems like it's viral is actually just hopping between uh, these one-to-many points many times. So for example, you know, like Justin Bieber maybe tweets about some new artist or something like that um, with a, a new music video that they came out with. That is a huge one-to-many broadcast. One of those people that that hits, because of course Justin Bieber's followed by literally like half the planet, um, might pick it up, or it might be someone who is on like the Ellen Show, someone who also has a big, who network. also has a huge broadcast, mm-hmm. and then they'll pick it up and, and keep on doing it. And once those are done, then it's done. Like there's no the idea of virality being a, like a sort of a grassroots democratic thing is actually com- it's not true. Well, and it's, it's also the case that you see things like uh, like YouTube, for example. If, if you put up a YouTube video. Um, and then one of these, like one of these broadcasters sees it and blasts it out. Uh, there are algorithms in place to further ensure the success of that video, right? Because YouTube wants to show people stuff that people like. Right. And part so of their- trending and all that. Yeah, it's so part of their calculations. Like they have trending videos, they have recommended videos. And so if like all of a sudden a video goes up and within the first week it has a million views, YouTube is like, oh shit, people are watching the shit out of this thing. I'm going to pop this up the priority queue because it has a high velocity, right? Right. And so you get all these sort of algorithms working together to sort of further that effect. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, that those views are coming from, you know, Steve on Twitter being like, look at this video. And then his six followers are like, everybody look at this. Right. And then their six, you know, it's, right. it just doesn't go It doesn't like actually that. go like that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, also so, we know from our own conversion rate with, you know, tweets we put out and stuff that, you know, we have what, 27,000? I think you just have 20, 22? 20, so whatever, 1,000 followers, know. right? 
Uh, and if we tweet something, no matter basically no matter what it is, our best case scenario is we get like twenty retweets. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. So if you're so if the idea like is if the rate. idea is like for each person who sees it, they share it with with like one point five people on average. Right. That would mean that so and when we put out a tweet, we get something like twenty or like a what two three thousand just views, views yeah, of right. the tweet. That would mean that those people who see it, three thousand of people who see it, we would end up with like. You know, Another chunk of those who would do yeah. four thousand who would pass it on. Yeah. We end up with yeah. So so it's when really we end up with twenty. I mean, I think <laughs> I think it's it's fair to say that the that this idea is. But a bit but if f- one of those twenty was somebody who then broadcast it to fifty thousand or a hundred thousand, right. then we look at people. it and we go, look at this viral coefficient. Yeah. It's right. crazy. It's usually actually coming from one or two sources. Is actually yeah. the truth. So yeah. they so compare it's, really, it's the probability of hitting another broadcast network. Correct. And they com- they compare it in the book to the difference between virality and what's what's referred to in epidemiology as like the, your source, your disease source, right? Where like mm-hmm. there's, you need the, a vector, you need a vector, you need a disease vector. You need Justin Bieber to spread your, you need a, <laughs> you need a poisoned well, you know, you don't want the viral, you don't want like a cold. That's not what you want in terms of, uh, that's not what you're actually making in terms of an idea that's spreading. You want a, a diseased well that everybody goes to, to, to get drink water. out of. And that's, yeah. it's perfect. Oh, colds, <laughs> colds are pretty good at, you know, distributing themselves. They are. They are. But ideas are not like colds, as it turns out. As yeah. it turns out. Uh, yeah, so that's, I, I thought that was a very interesting good twist. take on it. Because I, you do often hear people talking about trying to make a viral video. And there's there's even like marketing firms that they advertise this as their thing. Like that mm-hmm. they, they know, they understand virality and they can make products that people, that are like shareable products, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a thing. Well, what it probably means is they have a bunch of broadcasters on retainer. Yep. Yep. This is also with the, with the whole rise of, you know, we've talked about it with, before with the rise of the sort of influencer network as far as, you know, Twitch streamers and YouTubers and stuff. Um, you know, you can oftentimes, and I think we talked about this with even just our, our little mention that we got from Total Biscuit in his video. We saw a little bit of an uptick in terms of our uh, sales of crash lines on Steam mm-hmm. and more so than not, probably not like statistically significant, but definitely there's something there. And then plenty of people have talked about how if, if they get, like they've shown some graphs where it shows that here's the day we got like Markiplier played our game and it, you can see the effect that comes from this, right? Um, it's not about virality at that point. It's about something else entirely, which is just hitting something that these broadcasters want to broadcast. But yeah, but interestingly, you know, you'll see those spikes and then it decays just like everything else yeah. and then it goes back to normal, yeah. Yeah. right? So it's not like, it's not, it's not like, it, yeah, it's not like it kicks off a, a round of virality and then all of a sudden it just starts growing forever. Right. It just, it just continually decays because right. people only have so much attention and everything's competing for it all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's so really, there's, I guess there's probably a virality between large broadcast networks. Correct. Right. So the more of those you can catch, then right. the bigger the overall is you can get. But if, but if it's not going through those, and actually it is kind of interesting because the language has changed recently too, because it used to be all about virality. But actually, I don't, I don't think I really hear that word ever anymore, but I do hear the mm. word influencers all the time. Yes. And so, so I think people are, people are kind on. of aware of this, that actually, that, that this is how the world is, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, how it has always been. Has always been. Yeah. <laughs> we all got to have believe for one shining moment that, that actually we had, we had some control. There were no gatekeepers, right? No. But, yeah. That's not true. Nah. There's just shit little gatekeepers. There's just, yeah. There's just a lot of, yeah, a lot a more small guards. We've democratized our <laughs> gatekeeper system. Right. right. No, there's just a lot more of them. Well, I think it, it comes into an interesting question with something like multiplayer. It's like player unknowns battleground, for example. Yeah. Which I think is now the the only non Valve game to uh, like it. It's the I think it beat it had the most concurrent players except for Valve games. Right. Yeah. So it'd be, but be, this be started as a mod. Was, started as a mod, and the guy built it as a full product. Um, 
and it is it's a multiplayer battle arena so you run around it's like a battle royale so you appear you shoot people you have teams whatever um and it's a multiplayer game so i think the interesting thing the interesting question here is how does multiplayer factor into this because of course if you are play, so multiplayer seems to be the one place where you might actually have some form of this virality happening, right? Because right? you got to bring your one point three friends crew. along. With you, you have to exactly. Yeah, it's more fun if you do. So in that game, but there's a question: is how many people who play multiplayer games actually like you know get on with a like convince a buddy to come buy the game and play it with them versus have an existing network that probably already has the game because the game was advertised really well, right? And they just right. jump in and they just go play with those people or with random internet strangers. I don't know, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I think in my own experience, the game that I, there is a game that I try to get everybody to buy and play, which is Rocket League. Also Eve. Also Eve, but I, I, I know that's a losing battle. <laughs> uh, so with, but the, interestingly with Rocket League, like all people will, people will buy it and try it, but it's also the case that it's such a high skill game mm-hmm. that since I have several hundred hours in it and they are just starting, then we can't actually really play together. Right. Right. Like on the same level right. in any kind of a way. So we'll play together for like an hour and then they're like, hey, and then they just never play together. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of weird. But I, I have to wonder too about the effect of if you if you think about since since Player Unknown Battlegrounds was a mod, what game was it a mod for? I don't remember. I remember. I remember. But the, like the I didn't fact, even know it existed until like last week when all of a sudden all I heard about was yeah, this Yeah, so this game. is the interesting thing. So they, they, they talk about this idea of a dark broadcast too, mm-hmm. which is someone who actually, and, and I, you know, we talk about B-Scotch ID and our goals of B-Scotch ID, which really you should convert in your mind into the goal for us is to have our own broadcast where we can reliably, which means not Twitter, not Facebook, mm-hmm. reliably reach out to a group of people who are interested in our stuff and who have opted in. And in that way, but this is something that no platform can see, yeah. right? It's dark relative to what everybody else is doing. And it's also dark to all developers, right? Yep. So it's it's just our thing. So when, when someone sees a successful, you know, inflection point for us, so for example, the launch of Crashlands onto Steam Greenlight mm-hmm. it took 48 hours. And we, we told everybody we sent 4,000 emails or however many it was that day to a bunch of people who have signed up for a newsletter to tell them this was happening. And we got through in 42 hours. And we may have even gotten through faster, but it was a weekend. So no one at Valve was able to press the button. So who knows how fast that potentially could have gone, right? Right. And the interesting thing is people oftentimes when we talk to them about it, they're like, oh, wow, you got through Greenlight so fast. But they don't, like we told them that we use our own network to do so. But they don't right. oftentimes attribute it to that so much as to the trailer, the trailer or, or the strength yeah. of the game. Which well, yes, even, even we did, right? Yeah. And yeah. We, I think we put a Gama Sutra up article, a article up about it. Well, we talked about the trailer, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but I think a big part of it is uh, is knowing that a lot of times what you see as a big success, like Player on Battleground, already had... Yeah, huge it, number it came of out of a mod community. Exactly. Case, so right? it, came, it came from a successful game, which is a network, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so if you think about it, like a, a network or a broadcast being just like any place where there's a lot of people congregating who are receiving the same set of information, mm-hmm. right? And if you have a, a community of people, of millions of people playing the same game, put out a mod, they'll play that mod. Now you've, you've got that network, yeah, crew, right? right. So, so that's because like, I had no idea about it at all. Well, this, this is what, this is like, what, what? League, this is how League of Legends appeared. Mm-hmm. You know, it started as Dota, as a mod in right. Warcraft 3. And they literally, right, just took the exact mechanisms of Dota. Because mm-hmm. I think actually some of the Riot founders made Dota. Is that is that right? I can't remember. Or like no, they were involved in it somehow. Ice Frog yeah, is the guy who made Dota. Okay. He's still one of the principal guys there. I'm not sure. Okay. 
So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they just, they just, out of that, yeah, yeah, they just, they just took the mecha- the exact mechanics. So like when you look, when you look at a screenshot of League of Legends and a screenshot of Warcraft three, you're like, oh, like these are yeah, right. almost the same thing. Right? Um, and that, that was a very successful game that mm-hmm. spawned an entirely now like one of the most popular PC games of all time. Right. So, you know, it all makes sense if you mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah, but uh, it does make you wonder too. Every time you see a weird sort of seemingly random success story, you know that yeah. that feels out of nowhere. Um, of course, it's not. It's it's not. It never is, right? There's there's right. some there's either some dark broadcast going yeah. on. Uh, actually, that, that's is, that's what it's has to what happen, is, yeah. right? Um, Something that you don't know about or you're not clued into that right. was able to spread that message extremely effectively. And this is why you know this is why it's really hard if you're making and selling games or or really anything. Uh, when you're trying to look at what other people have done, other successful people have done, and use it as a reference to figure out like what you should be doing. It's what you can't see that matters. Right. There's, there's all this stuff you can't see and you can't, and you, even if you could see it, you wouldn't necessarily be able to understand what it did. Right. right? Cause even, even with us, we could see, we knew that we sent those five or 4,000, whatever emails to uh, our BSKJD users for green light. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know how many of those people acted on it. Yeah. We don't know maybe, how much of it, maybe none of them did. We have no idea. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that's, that's one of those things where this is, there's an enormous asymmetry in information just all over the place anyway, but even people who have it don't, can't actually know what it means. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little tricky. A little weird. Yeah. Yep. You just gotta do the best you can. Find out those broadcasts. And just mm-hmm. stop tweeting so much. Unless you, unless you, unless you're being followed by Justin Bieber, in which yes, case, unless you're it. a broadcast network. Yeah. All right. So let's get on to some questions. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. They're asked by our listeners. And if you want to get your question on a future podcast, head on over there to good questions. All right. First question comes from Byte Code, who says, "Remember that pamphlet D and D? Me and another Bscotch fan made it as a fan tribute. It's on the other side of the link. Hope you like." So, oh. so a few episodes ago, we talked about Dungeons and Dragons and how it's awesome, except there's all these books, like there's all these things you have to know and it's really hard to get started. And so we were joking about, it would be great if there was a pamphlet tabletop game where you could just like get a single piece Pamphlet. of paper, <laughs> print on both sides. They would just have some real simple rules that anybody could use, um, and then just go from there. So a couple of our of our listeners is Bytecode and Nougat. Uh, they put <laughs> together a a sort of D and D like tabletop game called Stickscape, uh, and then they they sent us a link to it, which is pretty pretty hilarious. Um, and they <laughs> they took like the lightweight thing really like to the max. So like they <laughs> they have a link to a a a player stat sheet template. Hold on, I'm gonna open this thing up. It's like it's. <laughs> It's like name, HP, gold, okay. Mm-hmm. Equipment, inventory, knowledge, and pet. Good. It's like that's all. You, those are your stats. That's what you need. You can, I also like that all you need is to know things. Yeah. How much knowledge you have? How much knowledge you got? Yep. <laughs> knowledge <laughs> is an important uh, is an important stat. It's power. Yeah. Some yeah. would say knowledge is power. And of course, having a pet is also power. <laughs> that's so, awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. So these guys they linked to it in their. Um, in their question, so over at podcast.bscotch.net, when the episode goes up, you'll be able to see the link to that. So if anybody wants to check that out, check it out. All right, next question comes from CoolBloke1306. Hello, coolest bloke. men on the planet. That's a bit of a so, stretch. Uh, I yeah, just want a stretch, but how come he's a bloke? He gets to be a bloke, but we just have to be regular old men. Yeah. What's that about? He's a cool bloke. We're cool, We're men. cool men. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this is a little unfair. Mm-hmm. There might, there must be some kind of a third party that sort of blo- allocates bloke blo- licensor, blo- a bloke licensor, oh, yeah. and there's also probably a department of coolness who figures yeah, out. That's true. 
whether you're, whether you're a bloke or a man, whether you're a bloke or a man, and then sort of you're where you land on the coolness <laughs> spectrum. Right. Uh, Everyone's got to draw a line. Yeah. 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 So we're going to probably have to make some phone calls mm-hmm. and try to figure yeah, out. It's kind of like getting your sort of verified Twitter account. You know, we need to get our like, verified blokeness. <laughs> Is it a step below knighthood? You know, yeah. being, being a bloke, being a bloke. I think so. Actually, might be a step. Up. I think it's a step above. Because you can get knighted, can you get bloked? <laughs> oh, that yeah, I think, gross, I think you can. Yeah, you can get you can get knighted, which makes you become a sir, right you now, and then you can get bloked. <laughs> I thought a bloke was just like somebody at a bar. That's like well, no, I'm pretty you sure you think so. But there's uh, you it's know. it's like a hidden it's it's a hidden broadcast network. You know, mm, so yeah, so actually they're far more powerful than knights. Yes, you know, but. Uh, but everybody kind of they they've done a good job of sort of Illuminati style, kind of just <laughs> throwing the word around so that everybody feels like it doesn't mean anything. And it's so it's really the, it's the blokes that that rule the world. Yeah. So when you get knighted, they tap a sword on your shoulders. Yeah. When you get blokes, <laughs> what's the ceremonial? Uh, I think I think they just kind of pretend like the whole thing isn't even happening. So they're so cool about it. Yeah. It's very. Chill. I think I think actually they try to shake your hand and then you're supposed to take your hand away. Oh, you like rub your hair yeah, back. Exactly. Yeah. Because you're such a cool <laughs> bloke. You're too so cool. <laughs> The question is, I just want to know, why did you start making games? Thanks. Oh, why did we start making games? Because um, you wanted to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's something, it's, I, I think it was, well, it was, it was sort of pushed into existence uh, from me sort Correct. of at the outset. Um, and it was something that I had always wanted to do. I think. Yeah, actually, to be fair, I didn't want to make games and still don't. Yeah. Uh, well, well so, as in yeah. like it, that's not why I'm doing that, anything. Yeah, hang Adam. Adam, Adam, Adam doesn't make games. He yeah. makes all kinds of other. Right. Cool I shit. mean, if I wanted to make games, it'd be a problem because I've got other shit that I have to do to make the game making as make effective as possible. Go, right. Yeah. Uh, so, so I have to, I have to choose to not want it because it would be miswanting. Yes. But yeah, this is, this is something that we we've touched on uh, in previous episodes, but it's kind of the idea that if you're the kind of person who just really likes to learn stuff and pick up a lot of skills, uh, there's and then demonstrate them and then use them for stuff. Yeah. Uh, making games is one of those things that there's just sort of an endless well of interesting things that you can pick up to, to apply to it. So, uh, but on the flip side of that, you don't get to hate things. Like if you, if you say I hate drawing or I hate music or, you know, whatever, um, or I hate math, I hate math, I hate marketing. marketing. Like you don't get to do that. If you want to make games and succeed at it, you have to just embrace everything. Um, and that was kind of always the appeal to yeah, it. It's a field of endless challenge, I think. So it's kind of the fun part. You just get to do whatever you want. Yeah. Challenge. And, and every other misery. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I think at the time I was, I was going into finance and law and, and like MBA and stuff like that. And every single one of the things that I was, that I was studying just felt like a very narrow, narrowly defined set of, of issues. Right. And a very, very particular way of thinking about the world. Um, and I could, I, I couldn't quite see how, like, if I wanted to, if I wanted to learn how to animate, if I wanted to learn how to edit, like, film, if I wanted to learn, uh, like, software engineering or storytelling or whatever, I'm like, how's that going to play into my finance right. very much, right? Um, and so it just kind of, it was just kind of like, it's just an open book. You can just do whatever you want with it. And it's just super cool. Well, again, it's just the case that the... The interest for us, I think, comes from the fact that it allows us, it's basically the vehicle by which, it's like a really good cracker, okay? Uh-huh. All right. It's simply a vehicle by which you get to put whatever you want into your mouth. Brie. Mostly brie, though. Mostly yeah. brie. But, <laughs> but, I mean, anything. So, game dev is just, it's just like, 
it's just the best cracker because you can you can just put whatever like, you want. So what, peanut what's butter, the, what's the apples, brie in this metaffor though? Because like maybe peanut butter apple is fine. The brie know? is like it's art. Sure. You know, and then you go mm-hmm. put jam on put jam on there. That's mm-hmm. like that's Some math. Yeah, you know, okay. sure. Yeah, uh, you could put a sausage on there. You know, that's your uh-huh. that's your marketing. Yeah, your marketing. You might need a bigger <laughs> cracker at some point, but you get you get the idea. Yeah, it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle for doing all sorts of weird stuff, which is fun. Yeah, but it's interesting because people only think of the cracker when they think about that's making true. games. It's like you know, you just want to eat the most, dry. That's the most boring part. You just yeah. want to eat just a dry cracker. You can put some awesome shit on that cracker. <laughs> yeah. Like some brie, for example. Put some brie on that. Uh, all right. So next question comes from French Toasty. How did you figure out how to program large maps or even just inventory systems? Did you come up with it yourself? A tutorial? Can you put up resources to help people who want to learn GML or not? Because competition. So we actually do have some tutorials. <laughs> <laughs> I, this question might be old. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So on our YouTube channel, we do have some videos of mm-hmm. how to make games. Uh, Sam recorded some Inkscape stuff and then there's a problem with the exploit broadcaster thing basically where it didn't show the menus right so, so Sam would be like yeah you're gonna want to click on this menu and then click on this and there's just nothing which happening. is also funny because <laughs> I only do that because I'm teaching someone because I just use hotkeys so I'm never in menus right so I did all this extra clicking around <laughs> and then it was invisible so um, I gotta do that again yeah so I mean making tutorials is something that we are interested in and something that we are working on um, to get more to the question of figuring out how to program large maps or inventory systems. Just, when you're talking about maps, I'm assuming you're talking about data probably, structures. Uh, no, I think probably like the world map, oh, okay. I would assume. Um, so this, this, I think we can get, we can dig a little deeper because the, on the surface level, the question is like as specifics, like how do you make an inventory system? How do you, how do you figure out how to make a map or whatever? But I think there's an extra layer to this that we can dig into, which is just how do you figure things out? Right. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. because if you, if all, if all we do is tell you, oh yeah, here's how you make an inventory system. Well, that doesn't help you. We're just giving you a fish. It'll help you for now. You know, yeah. we got, you gotta, you gotta learn how to fish. So how do you fish up a infinite world? How do you fish up generation knowledge? algorithm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is actually part of what Adam's talk is about. Yep. Um, it's about sort of like, how do you come by knowledge and how do you actually do stuff with it? How do you execute? How do you, Adam? Turns out. It's really complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> but I, I think um, the way, the most important piece of advice for figuring out new things is to not care about finding the most perfect solution. to Or even a good one. Or even mm-hmm. a good one. Just, uh, just yep. a solution. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, uh, and you can always go back and rework things when you, after you learn more. Because it's, it's almost always well, the case. By, but the, the key here is that you can't understand a problem until you've tried to solve it. Yeah. So you can't just have a problem and then have a solution. That's not how it works. You have to have a problem and then try to understand what the hell it is by working through it and trying to, and trying to solve it. So you're during yeah. which you'll inevitably find that you don't know what the yeah. hell it is. Cause that's the whole <laughs> point. And then you'll learn something and you go back and start over. I know it's an iterative process. So you just, sometimes gotta, you just keep doing that for a while. Yeah. yeah. And it so it take a while. The, the AI in our, in our current game project is a perfect example because our first version of the AI, which you can see in action in our Snuppy's, Snuppy mm-hmm. rustling game on. I wonder our, if that server's still running, actually. I don't know. I think it turned off. I don't think I turned it on off. Our, <laughs> uh, on our itch.io uh, or bscatcher.itch.io page, we have a bunch of our jam games up there, including uh, Snuppy rustling. The first version of that AI was it would have five cards. It would just 
randomly pick one that it could afford, and then it would randomly throw its hammer. Not trying to hit anything, not trying to accomplish anything. Uh, and this just random was pretty bad. But at the same time, sometimes it would hit your shit, and it was occasionally startlingly accurate. Yeah, you'd have like you just put a buddy <laughs> down on your square, which is on the, the complete opposite side of the map from just it. Boom! Right in the and face. And it would just so there's in principle like a one in twenty chance it's going to hit it. But yeah, but it does. Yep. It does. Um, and other times it just comes real close, and you're like, ooh, yeah, you know, yeah. that's exciting. Um, and so. That was the first version. And again, that was like not trying to even solve the problem necessarily, mm-hmm. but just it, it was it was the problem was, well, but it solving, was solving a different problem. The problem is, was yeah. we don't have AI. Correct. Now we do. Right. It's, <laughs> it's really bad. It doesn't even try to win. And Someone it says completely randomly. It's not intelligence per se. It's, it is artificial, though. It so we got very. the A part. Is it, wait, is it artificial intelligence or real dumbness? It def- <laughs> Definitely we made a real dumb, a real dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's real dumb. Yeah. We made a real demo. <laughs> so, uh, so then the next phase was as we started actually developing the game and getting a bunch of stuff in there, we realized we can't balance the game properly unless we're playing against an opponent who isn't a real demo. Yep. So <laughs> needs to be an artificial. So then, so then it was kind of the next draft where we where we came up with these kinds of like rules of thumb of what kinds of things we should tell the AI to keep an eye out for. So like if uh, if somebody captures your crystal, which is kind of like a flag and capture the flag, if if an opponent or if, if one of your buddies has the opponent's crystal, then it'll try to hit it with the hammer. Right. Mm-hmm. So it'll actually aim at things. But it's still the case that the A.I. was just trivially, trivially easy to defeat. Mm-hmm. Well, because essentially what it was is we went from having random behaviors completely to a few rules that were just such blankets. It's, it's almost like a, it's going down in terms of granularity. Right. So we started yeah. with what is essentially. Just wild every case west. is every, <laughs> every option is available, yep. and then moving down from there, it was sometimes you should do one of these like five things, and that was better, but still really dumb most of the time. Yeah, and then from there is where we finally moved to, which is depending on what the things are that you have, which is context dependent decision. Pick the correct one. So yeah, so now so now the AI looks at the situation around it. It looks at what its different options are, and it gives each option a score uh, based on how effective it thinks that's going to be. And then it takes the highest score thing and just does that thing. And so, um, so again, it's not going to always do the best thing. In fact, it's, there's no way to actually know what the best thing even is because mm-hmm. like, if you think about in a chess game, for example, um, there are more combinations of moves than there are atoms in the universe, right? Cause it's, there's just so fucking many mm-hmm. things you can do. And so you can't use, there's no there's not enough computing power to sort of simulate every conceivable possible outcome from where you're at till the end of the game. And so, uh, so instead you just kind of, you just kind of come up with some good rules and then you do it. Right. And so, so this was kind of our process of answering the AI question. And even though we've been making games for half a decade now, Mm -hmm. um, the question of how do you make an AI in a strategy game? We're just like, I don't know. You yep. literally don't know. So just start, just well, start, start ham-fisting things in there. Yeah, you start with something that solves, that does solve the problem, which in the case of us. And that just, it, it does something. It, well, it was just having an opponent, yeah. an actual opponent to play against, which could be completely random. So yep. you, you just start there and then you add more layers to it as you go. Yeah. So if That's you're it. building, so in this case, you're building an inventory system. Mm-hmm. Like, what's an inventory? It's just a bunch of stuff. Just a bunch so of- how do you have a bunch of stuff? Put it in a list. Done. Done. Now you've got a shitty start-up inventory system, right? And it uh, turns out that's what we ended with, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> an inventory is just a, list, just a list of, of what things. you have. Yeah, and then so. but then all but then a bunch of questions will stem from this as you start to implement it. Because now you'll have, you'll be like, okay, so my inventory is just a list of stuff. But 
then how do I remove something out of it, right? How do what I, I how do I find something? How do I show a slot that yeah. only holds weapons, for example? Right. Then what does that mean? Do I need a new list? You know, so so basically, once you just you just go down a path. You don't you don't have a plan. You don't have a, a you don't have a solution in its entirety. The solution builds itself as you start to it uncover the sub problems. Mm-hmm. Because I think the thing that that people often that makes that makes problem solving so difficult and decision making so difficult that people often fail to realize is that you're not setting out to solve the big problem ever because you can't. It's literally impossible. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you have a goal. You have a goal that is a collection of problems that we all just call the problem, right? But if a goal that's a collection of problems, most of those problems that you don't even know they exist yet. Mm-hmm. They're just it's just fog. It's just fog, right? So so you're not actually solving a problem. You're you're wading through fog. And what you're trying to do as you're doing that is then stumble across all these actual problems that need to be solved, these little one-off individual problems, where each one of those reveals something new, right? It I shows feel like fog is such fog. a perfect metaphor for this because yeah. in a fog, you can actually see perfectly well, but real just close. like real close, like <laughs> right around yeah. you. Right. And then as soon as you try to look farther out, you're just like, well, I have no fucking right. You're basically right? You're basically in a fog of parts building But here's the thing. Here's the thing. How do you, how do you find out what's out there? You walk over there. Yeah, you gotta, go. yeah, you you gotta over do there. something. You can't. You can't just stand in one place. And be like, oh, I don't know what's over there, and just fucking stand there forever, right? right? You'll never know what's over there. Yep. Damn man, so good. Metaphors. Okay. <laughs> Metaphors. So yeah, you just gotta wade through the fog. Um, yeah. So in other words, uh, for our large maps, though, Perlin noise inventory system <laughs> is a list. All right. So uh, next question comes from Retro Banana Man NL. You were always saying that free mobile games are bad. What are your opinions? slash experience about free steam games mm-hmm. i don't play any of them and i reject them out of hand when i see them so, so i don't have any so i played except uh, for alien swarm yeah so that's just a free game that was totally free so there's yeah. there's a few so i think the well the interesting point here is that the general is understanding the reason why we generally say that free yeah. games are bad on mobile. right so it's it's not because they are free mobile games correct and it's not, not because they're mobile and it's not because they're free yes and it's not all of them Correct. It's the other thing. Yes, which is, which is <laughs> it's the, the gross part. The generally gross practices that that come with how you actually do make money off of a game that you're giving away to people. So, um, so just to get that out of the way first, because uh, there are actually a couple, there are a couple free to play games on mobile that are totally fun to play. Believe it or not, and like mm-hmm. they don't feel disgusting to play. Mm-hmm. Um, even some like Crossy like Road, Quadrupus Rampage is right. That's a good one. one that comes to mind. But even some like Crossy Road, where they're like, "Hey, if you watch this ad, we'll just pay you some in-game money." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Sure, thanks for the choice." Right. It's very a very understandable right transaction where it feels like you're still basically actually just paying for something. Right. Yeah. Um. So like that that's sort of stuff I'm fine with. When we talk about gross stuff, it's it's usually on the mostly on, timers. Yeah, timers. Just sort of all all sorts of weird stuff that Energy really are about units. breaking gameplay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as far as Steam. Steam free games. Uh, I think Warframe is just the best example of like uh-huh. just a best in oh, class. Yeah, yeah Warframe. Yeah. Oh yeah, so good. It really Space fun. ninjas. It yeah. feels so good to play. Um, and it is totally free. So yeah, like all of it. And you, of yeah, course, I, you I actually I found it aggravating because I wanted to pay them stuff, right. but like to, to actually get like all the things it would literally cost like four thousand dollars. Yeah, but here's the one which again, well, the it, it gets like, gross again because of the how things are priced. The thing is, you could still just get all that stuff just by playing right oh yeah after a few thousand after hours of playing about ninety thousand hours but yeah. <laughs> i think there's a so i i bought some stuff in warframe because i was like this game's awesome it's amazing i want to support this game so i threw down like 20 bucks and i got yeah i did the same whatever their shit is that you get it's platinum platinum platinum, platinum. platinum. something I corbels i don't know uh, everyone's got their own metal yeah you know yeah. so i bought a bunch of corbel orbs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then i 
I got like a, I was looking through the list of weapons and stuff and like all the different, uh, shit, what are they called? Just Warframes, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's like your, your torso, your, your body. body. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a new body. Um, and I was like, I was so pumped and I was looking at all the stats on it and then I went to play with it and it was just bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I just bought like a whole suite of terrible weapons and a really shitty. Well, so this is the weird place that it gets put. So I just went back to my normal. It's right. just, it's just like, yeah, it's like, it's like buying anything, right? If you can't see what it is first, then it's right. just yeah, a they, they, I'm not sure if they do now, but they did not have a preview option at the time. I don't know if you saw it. They announced that they're doing, they're having an open world, like a more like an MMO style. Oh, There's a few of those that are opening up. It's like 40 huh. people per, and it's a, it's called like the Plains of Eidolon or something like that. Looks pretty neat. Looks pretty dope. Got to hop in there again. But this is an interesting, interesting point, which is that in a game where they're they're trying to be good stewards of their community in terms of like how they do the free to play stuff. This is actually one of the weird problems that comes up, which is that they are clearly trying to do a good job making sure that if you pay for something, you're not just like winning, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the problem but they is then sort that, of did the opposite. Well, but the reality is that everything then has to become a side grade in a lot of ways, where it's yeah. sort of like it's more like just fitting your play style or doing fun things or looking super cool or whatever. So um, that's I think one of the interesting weird tension points where it ends up being if they do free to play really really well in terms of not doing some of the weirder, grosser stuff, uh, it actually becomes harder to make the purchases feel good. Well, then yeah. you, you got also problems with things like Guild Wars 2, mm-hmm. where this is an MMO, you, you, I don't know if it's still the case, but when it came out, you had to buy the, you had to buy the game just up front, period. Yeah. Um, but there's no subscription cost. Right. And that was their, that was their big angle. They're like, it's, it's a full on MMO, like the size of something like, right. wow, you know, it's crazy. There's all this stuff. And it's true. Like it's a huge game. It's, it's very awesome. deep. Yeah, it's very beautiful. complex, mm-hmm. beautiful music, uh, beautiful scenery and no subscription. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that was their angle. Um, it's the MMO that you don't have to pay a subscription for. Uh, but instead they have, you just, you, you keep getting these chests that you can't open without keys that you pay like a dollar or two for. Hmm. Um, and they're full of just all kinds of- Actually, it's again, it's surprisingly, it's sort of like my feeling with Warframe. It's like surprisingly expensive given how frequently you would want to do it. Yeah. Right. So like if you yeah. wanted to open all these chests you got, you'd be paying way more than a subscription. Bucks a right? And right. Like, yeah. and this, this is something that I, it, it bothers me because I will happily pay a subscription for an amazing game. And right. I do that regularly, mm-hmm. right? Um, like I, I did play World of Warcraft forever and people are like, oh, subscription model is dying. Well, I, mean, I still have a subscription for EVE Online and right. like, uh, you know, stuff like that. So um, I just, I think people just want to enjoy a good game, you know, yeah. and not be harassed all the time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this is, this is the weird oh, that's, territory. That's why I reject them all out of hand right. is because I just assume that my, my best case scenario with a free-to-play game, almost across the board, is that if I'm lucky that it's good and I like it, at some point it's going to get gross. And now I just have to not play it anymore and basically now be upset that I had a good experience <laughs> that has now been ruined by right. some gross uh, practice when, when all I want to do is just be able to buy the thing, mm-hmm. right? And there actually, there have been a handful of games because Steam's now, a few more have been released of various kind of free-to-play style games. It's quite possible that some of them have good systems mm-hmm. in place. Yeah. But I just we also just know from from thinking about the market so much, just how hard it is to have a successful free-to-play model that isn't gross. Right. It's very hard. Right. And, and so it's a fair assumption that if you play a game that is free-to-play, it's either gross or it's going to disintegrate in what sense? as in like the player so, so take like tribes mm-hmm. right really good pay system in terms of being fair to players right but then also disintegrates over time right, right? uh guild wars actually like is having really has a lot of trouble maintaining a player base mm-hmm. um 
And I think, yeah, I think, I think it's just, it's just very hard. It's very hard to actually make enough money to support the, the, the production of a game. Right. Unless you get gross. Well, about I, it, I also think play. when I, when I'm playing a game, I want to, I want to be immersed. Like I want to go into the game world and focus on the challenges and interesting mm-hmm. stuff that the game is presenting. Mm-hmm. I don't want one of those challenges to be me thinking about my own personal bank account right? and whether or not I right. should tap into that. I mean, Rocket League started doing this too because they give you yeah. chests and then they're like, oh, you're not having the keys. You can buy a key for like a buck. And I did it the first time and then I was like, why? Yeah. Yeah, because what they were doing was they were selling cars and I bought them mm-hmm. all. They're like two bucks a piece. Well, they still do that, yeah. yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, like I want to support this game more. These are great things. And I bought them. And now I can't actually buy the things I want. Now I have to gamble. Yeah, I got to right. buy a key and open a chest. And I'm like, ah, shit, I didn't get the thing I wanted. Right. Maybe I'll spend another five bucks. No, like I'm just not going to do it. Right. Um, but I think but I think the fact that it has become, because like, it is weird that gambling is now one of these common strategies that games use. Because like Borderlands, Borderlands does it yep. as well, right? Which is, again, League edited in as well. Yep. Everyone's got their chest and key system. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck happened. Everyone's it's, just like it's all just, of a sudden, Well, what happened is it's gambling and gambling is addictive and it's really effective at getting people to sure. spend money. Well, right? and, and it's also the case that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of research around this issue, but that, you know, in a, in a free-to-play game, most of your money comes from 1% of your players. Mm-hmm. And really, most of your money comes from 1% of those players, yes. right? So like 80% of your money comes from that tiny sliver. And if your game allows, like has these kinds of things in it with like these gamble, like gambling mechanisms for real money, you know, you're, what you're doing is you're tapping into people with problems, like people with compulsive gambling addiction issues um, who are really susceptible to this kind of stuff. Here's the question though. Is it possible for someone to, for example, playing, playing Warframe or Hearthstone or whatever else, to spend the however much money it actually costs to get everything in the game and for you to not consider that necessarily as like a some sort of gross. I, I would, expense. well, here's the thing. The game actually like pushes against that. Because like in Warframe, if you bought every Warframe you still and every weapon, play you still have to level, level them up. <laughs> you still have to, and you can only play one of them at a time. It's not like you just have that, right? right? Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a pretty sharp distinction between like giving somebody a decision to buy something like in Rocket League, they release a car and you're like, do you want to buy right. this car? Or yes or no. You're like, oh, I'm going to buy this frame. Yeah. Right. Versus, versus. There might be something awesome in here. Maybe not. Maybe not. And they're like, they, they even do stuff <laughs> like, in Rocket League, they even do the stuff like, they'll they'll show the list of cool things you oh, can get. Oh, it's a roulette wheel. And then, yeah. well, then at the very end of it, there's a mystery item. Like there's a mystery yeah. skin or whatever. And they just mm. show like a car with like a tarp over it, you know, and it's like, what is it? You know? So they <laughs> it's go. Like, it's like double gambling. Double gambling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just, I don't, I, I feel, I feel like this is the kind of stuff that actually pushes people out of game. And, and I think mm. one of the, one of the best examples uh, in recent memory is, is in uh, World of Warcraft, Warlords of Draenor, which was the two expansions ago. Uh, currently they're on Legion. So it was, I guess, the previous expansion. Um, the player base was getting really frustrated because there was no new sort of like uh, in-game content that people could do because people love to go out and like accomplish things in the game to get like a cool mount or something right. like that because it's kind of like a walking trophy that you can ride around. And Blizzard kept releasing boars and wolves and they would just like recolor the boar and recolor the wolf over and over and over again and just keep <laughs> re-releasing these as rewards for like, you, you, like we released this new raid boss and you get the orange boar for killing it, right? And everybody's like, come on. And then finally- Give me a scorpion. Finally, they released a new mount and you couldn't get it in the game. You just paid 20 bucks for it. 
<laughs> and people were so fucking mad. Like you, you can go and you can find on their YouTube channel, you can find that video because they made a trailer for the mount because they were trying to sell it, right? So they made a trailer for the mount talking about it. They got their normal voiceover guy who does like the voiceovers for like the in-game cinematics right. and stuff. And the the like dislike bar on that oh, video <laughs> is so heavily skewed. It's like 90% red, you right. know. Um, and all the comments are people who are just really mad because they wanted something to, to go. Work they wanted on. something to go into the game and do. And instead, they're supposed to just hand over 20 bucks and just have it. Right. Right. Um, I think I think it just misses the question. Like, why are people playing these games? Right. To it's, do not cool to, stuff. it's not to have a thing. It's to earn a thing. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Which in short, I think free to play is almost always gross. It's hard. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it puts you in it, as a developer in such a weird bind, right? For all those things we talked yeah. about. Because if you want to, if you want to do something that doesn't feel like a weird, uh, you know, pay to win sort of scenario, then inevitably everything everybody buys is a side grade. Yeah. Or well, just, I mean, the game is now part of your business instead of a product your business made. Right. Right. right? And so, so now all the rules that apply to like. How do you run a business effectively? How do we make sure we have enough money? How do we do like now all of a sudden everything is on the table? So if, if your business is struggling, you can say, what if we change the game so that now people can gamble inside of it? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, because it's now just an extension of your business decisions. Right. And I think uh, so, you know, all it takes now is a change in management or selling the company or you about to be bankrupt or whatever. And all of a sudden this thing that you've made that, you know, that doesn't feel gross now just gets to feel gross. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, oh, also hmm. an interesting side effect of the rocket league gambling. They, they added gambling and they added trading, right? So you can trade items mm -hmm. and keys mm -hmm. and stuff. Right. So now, so before you had the problem of you'd go into a three V three match or whatever. And if your team started losing, your teammates would just leave. Right. And so your, every match became just a revolving door. Cause for some reason people don't want to play. They just want to win. win. Right. And mm -hmm. so, uh, so now you have that and then compounded on top of that you have people who come into your match and they go hey anybody want to trade we want to trade and then, and then <laughs> you're there's like, no lobby outside of right there's nowhere that. else and oh, then you're just shit. like no and then like eh, and then they just leave right so people people just dive into random like five or uh, like three v three or four v four games try to find people to trade with they aren't playing they just sit there in their hmm. car just like asking people to trade shit um and then when nobody wants to trade they just abandon their team right so it's nice. it is you like the, nice as much as I as much as I have loved Rocket League in the past like this suite of changes has unilaterally made the game <laughs> way worse than yep. it was before so Weird. it's terrible it's hard to not have it be gross and, and again like, even if you have the best of intentions you're like we're trying not to have a subscription we want to make the game available to people we want to make it so that only people Dude, I would who have I would subscribe again, yeah. There are, like, there are lots of there are lots of sort of good <laughs> there are lots of good rationales I think for a business person to think like I'm going to try to make an ethical you know free to play oh yeah kind sure. of model I just think there's almost no way to do it that doesn't also make the game less good than it could be um, and the the number of incentives for you to then continue to make it worse is enormous because if you don't make enough money well then I gotta start tweaking that stuff mm -hmm. if you make a bunch of money ooh you can make more you know yep. so it, like. Well, I just think I think all the incentives are bad across the board. Yeah, and on everybody. top on top of this, this mount thing that that Blizzard did, that was also the moment where they it's like their their subscriber base kept plummeting and plummeting and plummeting. At a certain point, it dropped so low that it was lower than it was in two thousand four, right? Like when the game came out. Yeah, and so then they they stopped reporting subscriber numbers, just mm -hmm. period. In their in their so they're a publicly traded company, so they they were supposed to be reporting this stuff uh, because that was one that was their one of their metrics for the health of their game. And then at that moment. They released a statement. They said, we're going to stop releasing subscriber numbers. Instead, we're only going to be talking about revenue because it turns out our revenue is still great. 
They're like, <laughs> we're, because it turns out that the people who are still around the free to play model, yeah. are just willing to pay a lot more right. money. Right. Yeah. And so they're, so now they're like, we're going to, and then they, in their statement, they announced, you know, we're going to be focusing a lot more on selling things like mounts and, you know, all these other extra services on top of the subscription. So it really comes down to our game is, is dying. So instead of resuscitating it, we're just going to sort of like wring it out like a sponge. <laughs> because yeah. like you said, once the option is on the table to do that, then that's you can't the, put that's the, the genie back in. Yeah. The, that's the yeah. quickest, shortest way to, to yeah, yeah. Yeah. pass. Ah, all right. Well, that's all. Yeah. Which is all to say, that's I all. just, I skip them all and I don't even worry about it. Got to, got to skip them all. Yeah. Got to skip them all. <laughs> all right. Pay money or go home. So that's all the time <laughs> we have for this week. Sorry, we kind of flew off the rails there at the last uh, 10 minutes, but I think it was good. It was good. Good real flat. Free to play always brings out the worst in everybody. <laughs> <laughs> sure. have, you, have you ever had a discussion about free to play, even with like the most sensible? Like, I haven't had one where even I was with, like, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah. fair. Because yeah. nobody loves it, but some people are like, I can see how this is acceptable, right? People begrudgingly accept it or they, right. or they just hate it. Right. And even those people who love it, they, they love the free part, but not anything else about what's happening. That's right. True. Uh, so yeah, I think it just, well, cause I know like for example, Apple, got, Apple and I think Google as well got sued a bunch in, uh, in Europe because I, everything was, everything was marked as free, but then once you have it, then you could in theory spend hundreds of thousands of dollars inside <laughs> the game. So like, you can't, you can't call it free. Like you right. can't, you have to say, get, you're going to get this game <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, so that's all the time we have. Uh, we'd like to thank our studio wrangler, Monique, for putting this episode together. Our producer, Fat Barb, for making us sound good and for drilling a board onto our uh, shelf to keep us from slapping our mics. I uh, would also like to thank the Bscotch dev team, Andy, Tifa, and Sure for continuing to build stuff. And a special thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. And, of course, we'd like to thank our listeners for coming back every week to listen to us. And if uh, if you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server at bit.ly slash bsdiscord. Come say hi. And we have a mailbox if you want to send us candy or Red Bull, basically those two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, Head on over to mailbox.bscotch.net. We have our address up there, and you can just uh, you know do it. Well, we get it. We get an alert whenever stuff comes in. So mm-hmm. you know, even if it's sort of a semi-perishable thing, chances are we'll we'll get it. In time. We'll get it before it turns into a rot. But it piece. definitely shouldn't be like fully on full on perishable. It shouldn't be like an apple, yeah, or, or live animal. It definitely, definitely. Not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, keep your live animals. Just make to sure yourself. you poke holes in its back so it can breathe. All right. So, <laughs> Uh, all right. So we don't also, we don't advertise this show. We do depend completely on word of mouth and good reviews. Uh, so if you want to help us grow the show, please tell your friends, uh, hit up Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and give us some five-star reviews, say some comments, talk about, you know, all the, all the cool shit, which, you know, on. after talking about virality, maybe just don't do that. Just send a note to Justin Bieber. Just send a note to Justin yeah. Bieber and <laughs> yeah. tell Justin Bieber to start listening to this podcast. Find all the biggest broadcasters, you know, bother them, tell them all about it. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Don't, yeah. don't fucking bother leaving us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, at the end of every podcast, they're like, you know, that that's how new listeners find us. That's not true that's at not all. Apple reviews, but yeah, mm-hmm. that right, can't be true. All right, here's, we're going to update this last portion. All right, so listen, we don't advertise this show, so mm-hmm. we depend completely on you tweeting directly at Kim Kardashian, <laughs> Justin Bieber, <laughs> Kanye West, uh, Ellen. Who else? Yep. Ellen, she's real big. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oprah. Love Ellen. Mm-hmm. Uh Barack Obama. Yeah. yeah. Markiplier. I don't know. Markiplier. So just 
Anybody you know who knows like a million people, just, just tweet them. Tweet at them. Send them an email. Um, try to like figure out where they frequent. Mm-hmm. Go to no, the don't bar. do that. Nope. nope. Go to <laughs> nope. the bar. Nope. Buy them Reel drink. that back. Reel that all the way back. <laughs> yeah, we will not Learn endorse. all their habits. Nope. We're not going <laughs> to. Nope. Don't do any of these things. Get a restraining We'll do order. all the other ones, but don't do any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> none none uh, of the in-person stuff. And that's how we grow the podcast. <laughs> so we're going to just be doing that in the future. So uh, thank you all very much for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.